Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on June the 13th, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, uh, sitting through a very long interview. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing some games that we have played. Real trunking, a real trunking company is buying billboards and American Truck Simulator to help recruit staff. And then we have a lot of articles from our community corner this week. We're going to be going through Investigation, Who's Telling the Truth About Disco Elysium, GameStop Fires at CEO, Diablo 4 Unleashes Hell of Overpriced Cosmetic Microtransactions, and Twitch Announces, Then Repeals Its Branded Content Guidelines. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rach. Hello. What's shaking, Megan? Uh, nothing that wasn't, uh, you know, a while back, I guess, right? That's probably good, honestly. You know, nothing news rattling around in there. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you know, got it yeah, all. Yeah, no, no, no dude chunk in the trunk. Right. Right. Yeah. Same for me, for the most part. I mean, small things, but having, uh, having a pretty good week this week. Last week, um, just for the listener, you know this, Rage, just for the listener, I just couldn't sleep. Uh, so we record on Tuesday night. I just could not sleep Monday night. I slept about three hours and they were not three hours that were together mm-hmm. and then went to work and worked, you know, a whole day, which is a normal day, but, you know, worked a full day and got home. And it was just like, I can't do this. I'm going to pass out. And I did. I was watching, uh, YouTube documentaries with my kid about stuff and I fell asleep while we were watching it. And then my, uh, my wife woke me up at, about 11.30, I was like, hey, I'm going to bed. You should come get in the bed, too. You've been out here snoring for hours. I'm like, oh, okay, I come to bed. <laughs> I have been told I... by many people that that happens as you get older. Like, I've never really experienced that unless I'm, like, sick or something. I have always just been, like, I lay down, I go to sleep, I sleep for six-ish hours, I wake up, I'm good to go. I, and I hate you for that. Yeah, people tell me that, and they're like, listen... You're just, like, it's finally catching up to you. Like, you're going to experience this now for the rest of your life, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, insomnia like, can be a bitch. Uh, I get it not as bad as I used to, but that's also, yeah, yeah I'm in less pain than I used to be. Because yeah. that's kind of the other uh, yeah, kind of thing about that one. But there's also been times that I won't sleep for days. I think my yeah. re- I think my record, uh, and this was a combination of leg issues back in the day. Not that I don't still have leg issues, but yeah, you know, fresher leg issues, right? And just bad luck and just pure insomnia. I was up to like six days without a proper night's sleep. Damn, and 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 things were starting to get a little crazy. That does happen with sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. But so that's that's what happened last week. I was just exhausted. I was actually having a conversation with Katie about that and some other things uh, before we started setting up to record. Like my kids at summer camp this week. So on a Tuesday to be able to sit down for two hours and have a conversation uninterrupted with my wife is odd. But like we were just talking. We talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, Nothing like, you know, bad or whatever. It's just like 
hey, it's Tuesday, and we have some time. You want to just, like, talk about stuff, talk about our life, and... Because, like, you know, I've got some upcoming vacation time that I'm taking off for work for myself, which, you know, I've talked to you about, but it's, like, ten days off in a row where I'm not going anywhere. I'm just staying home. I've been feeling a little... uh Burnt out's maybe too strong of a word, but it's close to burnout. I just feel really mm-hmm. tired on a lot of stuff. I'm not, like... I don't... I don't think I'm having a like a midlife crisis or anything, but it's just like the last year has been very, very busy for me and pushing for like my licensure stuff at work and all this insurance bullshit. And I just am like, I'm just tired and I just want a little break. So we were like, we were talking about that. So I was like, yeah, this has definitely been affecting certain aspects of my life to where that I'm like not giving my all when I, I probably should be to, certain aspects of it but you know that's that's life sometimes i guess it was kind of a big conversation but it wasn't bad it just was like self-reflection i assume you have conversations like that with anita at times i think anyone who's in a relationship does but uh you know this isn't uh, a therapy session this is a video games podcast uh let's talk about some video games well uh shall i go first you can if you want. I mean, I've got two and you've got one, but yeah, well, it... well, mine. I don't think it's going to be terribly long. Okay, he so... says as I lean back to prepare for the onslaught. <laughs> so the latest in games I want to like but don't. Railway Empire Two. This brought, was brought up on the Discord, and I had had it installed, uh, and wanted to try it out and. Uh, it, it's frustrating, and not frustrating in a good way. You know, there there's that good like frustrating frustration of you know that the puzzle trying to trying to solve it. Yeah, this is more the game never uh, just throwing roadblock and roadblock at uh, at you, and it's mostly down to how tra- uh, travel networks are tr- created in this game. So, uh, Railway Empires is a train build, uh, a train company management game set in the late uh, 19th century, early 20th, uh, 20th century. Uh, and you pr- uh, progress through time, as you do. Uh, and the idea of the game is you're the owner of one train company, and you're trying to essentially survive... Uh, Potentially buy out other uh, opposing train companies as you go through the campaign, and yeah, the campaign is essentially a protracted tutorial, but it also has tutorials and uh, tutorials that I constantly broke because the game is very fussy about what it wants to do. Okay, and primarily around building tracks, which for a train management game. Is definitely not most of the game, is it? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. So, the main way you do track layout in this game is point to point. All right. So, let's say you have a uh, station in Boston and a station in New York. All right. Okay. You uh, you get, that. Uh, uh, if you're wanting to do track over a long po- uh, portion, Without just pausing the game for ages, you do the station in uh, uh, Boston, the station in New York, 
and it uh, draws the shortest line. And then it just goes wonky. And the, the game wants to try to keep the track as level as possible on a map that is not level. So you'll get just these massive long bridges. You'll get long, like, uh, land causeways for whatever reason. You'll have the track burrow into a trench and then eventually into a tunnel. And it's just baffling. And yes, you can go point to point and draw out more of uh, a, a roundabout area and uh, fine-tune it a little bit more, but you're still forced to go in and start tweaking things. And by uh, doing that, you'll uh, put a like a secondary waypoint. So let's say, uh, you know, A to Z, you'll put like P, point B down and uh, adjust that so that the, you know, it's no longer building a random bridge for no reason, right? Yeah. Uh, and put down point C and, uh, you know, uh, drag that around. And the game is also extremely fussy, at least in the early uh, timeline, of what it actually wants to build when it comes to junctions, what it wants to build when it comes to angles of uh, uh, of curves. I've had times that I'll adjust something on one end of the track and it will refuse to build because the uh, area on the other end had decided, oh, no, this uh, slope is like one degree too uh, steep now, even though I hadn't adjusted anything, you know, remotely close to it. I have a feeling it's one of those games that if you sit down and really master it, it's not that big a deal. But for somebody that hadn't played the first one, and is not a huge veteran of uh, the kind of the, I guess, tyke, uh, yeah, uh, well, Railroad Tycoon is one I actually played a lot, but, you know, the transportation-style tycoon games, Yeah, it's unspeakably frustrating. And that doesn't even get into, I'm not sure if I have a couple stations that are bugged, or if there's just something in the supply and demand uh, system that I'm not understanding. And I can't tell which it is. So, uh, as uh, cities uh, grow, uh, in order to make cities grow, they have to have goods, because of course they do, right? Of course. And uh, goods could be transported essentially on roads, which are you know, not visible to the player. Or they'll be tra uh, transported via railroads. Uh, but roads have a limited distance, and railroads uh, can go long distances, and they could also hang goods off from one rail line to another via warehouses. So you could set it up so that something could chain from one city to another, go essentially up a, a, a ladder to, let's say, the northeast, which is where the first campaign is. I have cities that are demanding sugar, all right? And also have a, a, a rural business with a station that is producing sugar, but it will not transport sugar, even though everything that the tutorial ta taught me says that that train should be transporting, uh, uh, and it should be moving throughout the network. And I'm really not sure if it's bugged, or if I'm just misunderstanding something on that. And that is, to me, a failing of the, uh, of the uh, the information uh, uh, that's presented in the game itself, if I can't tell the difference. You know? Yeah. It makes me want to go back and play uh, Railroad Tycoon, honestly, or go fire up my Shanky again, which is due for another playtime, uh, actually. 
I, honestly, that game feels a lot more uh, complete, even though it's still in early access. Just because it's less bothersome with the uh, you know the rail network, even though that is putting down one piece of truck at a time, you know. Yeah, it feels like they're trying to do too much and uh, trying to be too fancy with the uh, rail networks, and it just all falls apart. What you're describing, because I I mean I certainly haven't played mm-hmm. all of these types of games, but I've played a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. What you're describing sounds like Train Fever. Um, you know, Train Fever was the first in the uh, quote-unquote fever, Transport Fever like line of games. So there's Train Fever, Transport Fever, and Transport Fever 2. Mm-hmm. And the track-laying system you're describing is like the one in Train and Transport Fever, but Train Fevers was very rudimentary and finicky, especially with that terrain. I mean, even in Transport Fever, oh. if you try to go for too long a distance, it will break. But it's much smarter about hugging to, to terrain and asking you about building tunnels and and bridges and etc. And that whole thing about cargo kind of transporting itself over a short enough distance, but then sometimes it won't go on a station even though it really looks like it should and the game doesn't tell you why like that does sound very much like train fever which came out in i think 2014 oh that reminds me about another one okay so uh, another issue i have with this is the station building itself so uh whenever you build a station it you know colors the map you know uh, red and green where you build a station where you can't and it completely obfuscates things like uh, train height distances. So I've had several times I'll build a train uh, station and have the tracks uh, start burrowing into the into the mountainside for no reason whatsoever. Yep, it makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. That also is an issue in Train Fever that they fixed in Transport Fever because it gives you a preview of what the station will look like if you build it there. This does not give you any previews. You can refund most of your money, but the thing is, it's most of your money, right? Yeah. And it's also, if you're trying to build an area that's hilly, well, good luck, right? And as far as I can tell, there's no way to, like, make a station build, you know, up higher. It's always on ground level. And also, the game just doesn't tell you, you know, what's wrong with something. So, uh, in order for a station to essentially be online, essentially, it has to have... Uh, I'm trying to think of what they call it uh, in this, uh, but a sw- uh, essentially a switching house just before the t- uh, the station, uh, so that trains uh, coming in could uh, choose the track that they want to go to. All right. Okay. And if you miss one, and you're trying to build a lawn, it will say it, that train cannot access that station. It will not give you a reason why, or even give you a projected path so you could try to figure out why. It's just, yo, I can't reach that. Good luck. Oh, that's weird. Even in Train Fever, like, it would show you the projected path of your trains, and you could figure out pretty easily what was going on. In later iterations, they give you much better tools to figure out how to fix that. I mean, I'm glad I played it on Game Pass, because, ooh, from the sounds of the reviews, this is pretty much what uh the uh previous railroad empire was only uh they shined it up with a little bit of multiplayer uh and sounds like they didn't really fix any issues they did make it so that uh you can build parallel tracks pretty easily but 
you know, you're spending so long building that first track that it just feels like a chore, you know? Yeah. And on top of, you know, you have to get licensing to go to different areas. Uh, they essentially, like, corn off the map in campaign mode. So if you get a, a area that uh, does have a lot of options, you have to spend a lot more to essentially unlock other areas to go to. Like, a good example of this is the first campaign map, which, oh boy, the campaign maps are long. <laughs> uh, it's, like, one map, and then it's, I want to say, at least in the first campaign, ten different, essentially, episodes of uh, of objectives. Uh, some of which are mutually exclusive, so you have to tear down things to do something else. Because, right? Okay. I mean, I, I could get behind that if it's done well or in a way that... Yeah, yeah but the thing is, you don't see the future objectives. You only see what is currently your objective. So if you're, the game surprises you, okay, well, you built out in this direction, but now to, uh, to do the next objective, you have to build out down south. It, it's frustrating. Yeah. It feels like a very much uh, you know, kind of gotcha moment. Uh, but uh, one of the uh, things is you have to spend a bunch of money to unlock uh, essentially portions of Canada to go, to go into. Uh, uh, to, uh, it's essentially teaching you the, uh, the rights management part of it, but it, it just feels unsatisfying because I did not have my train network prepared for that. So it was either sit and wait or, you know, yeah, just, you know, yeah, redo the entire uh, campaign all over again, right? Yeah. It feels like the campaign should have been broken up into smaller chunks, essentially. Because they're, they are trying to teach you lessons on how the game works for when you go into, like... Oh, I can't even say sandbox mode, because sandbox mode is essentially just your tr you know, your model train uh, version, where, you know, no competitors, no uh, 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 funds, just, you know, do, it, uh, do everything. That's okay uh, the, sometimes, but that's not particularly fun. I like uh, the well, challenge. Well, they do have they, build it. they do have a secondary mode where it's you know you pick a map and you have competitors. Yeah, uh, but they uh, called it something else. I, I'm just really not enjoying it. Right. It, it just feels it, it feels like it's the first iteration of a game a series that hadn't learned any of the uh, lessons from other games of this genre. Uh, which is really weird for a game that has two on the ta uh, on the end of it, right? Yeah, that doesn't even get into research. I, I I really can't tell you how you get research points in this game. It like it just happens in the background as you do business, and the all the uh, all, all the uh, stuff is, feels like horrendously overpriced. Like I'm playing some sort of uh, yeah free to play uh, boba game, and I'm having to back uh, the research right. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, you know, months and months worth of research for the next uh, lock, uh, locomotive, but occasionally something comes up on uh, auction, and the uh, and the one competitor, uh, at least on the uh, first campaign mission, always bids the uh, just under the exact amount of money I have, which is suspicious. So it's either I put myself in the red to get uh, the research that the the game won't even let you pause the auction in single player to see what the hell that uh, 
uh, that technology is, or if you even really need it, or you know, uh, bid everything and hope that you actually need it, right? Yeah, and I do know that there's uh, Steam gods going really in depth on you know how to kind of wrangle the uh, rail building system and how all the uh, uh, the networking works for. Uh, buying out stuff and uh, for uh, moving goods around and such, but that's what the tutorial should have done. Instead of just break because I built uh, the rail like they told me, and then you know, it decided, oh, that connection doesn't work now. Which I actually did happen, have happened in the tutorial. I had the, the rail building tutorial actually break on me, because building from where they had the uh, points on the map did not work. So, well, yeah, that that seems uh, like somebody needs to do a little more QA testing, uh, or listen to the QA testers, mm-hmm. or just delete the game. <laughs> I mean, I'm still I'll, gonna. I mean, I'll play it if uh, yeah, there's like a community night going on, but uh, co-op only because I have no idea what's going on with the network uh, of goods. I'm I'm still gonna try it, and we'll give my opinion on it as well. Mm-hmm. I just haven't got I just haven't gotten to it yet. I just have a lot of times that I'll fire it up, and I'll be like, "Why is this not working?" And then end up good playing a, a you know just Snowrunner instead. Yeah, a game I intend to play on my vacation, Snowrunner. Yeah, well, uh, the new map is coming out pretty soon, actually. Yeah, I want to try to complete at least one map, because, I mean, I'm several maps behind. Oh, me too. Yeah, but uh, I'm farther behind than you are. Well, I have Michigan done. I have uh, Wisconsin done. I'm working on Tennessee. Mm. You you might as well just give up on us. We're fucked. Oh, wait, you mean in the game. Yeah, well, well much like real-life Tennessee, there's not much going on. <laughs> Yep, when you're right, you're right. Except for racist and transphobic shit. We got a lot of that going on. Oh, there's a lot of racing. Hey, Maybe let's see what they were trying to do. Maybe they were trying to be really clever about it. Alright, is it my turn? Yeah. Sweet. So, uh, I've got two to talk about. The first one, School Girl Zombie Hunter. Um, I have a friend in my one of my tabletop groups. Who saw this uh, several months ago? It was on sale for like five bucks or something like that. And he was like, hey, you you should get this and, and we should play it sometime. And I'm like, okay, I'll buy it and we'll play it sometime. So we finally got around to playing it a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of our tabletop sessions got canceled, so we played. And it is odd... Very, very, very B-movie. It's made by the exact same developers who make um, uh, Earth Defense Force. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I I didn't know that, and I started playing it. I was like, this feels like Earth Defense Force, uh, both in how the game handles and, like, the way that you collect weapons and equipment and et cetera, et cetera. And, like, I went and looked. I'm like, oh, it's the same developer. So Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter... Is uh, set in the world of Onachambra, which I know very little about. Um, 
and you play a surprise group of schoolgirls in the middle of a zombie apocalypse who are hunting zombies and trying to figure out what happened with the apocalypse and close it. And they are, of course, high school girls um, at the Zombie Hunter Academy. Mm-hmm. Because, and of it, course, right. Yep. It's a, a third-person action game. There are five different girls that are basically almost interchangeable. Each girl has got a different... Um, starting weapon that differentiates them, although they can all equip all weapons. Mm-hmm. And then there's some minor differences to their stats. And then each girl has got some kind of special ability. Um, they're all, they're all passive. Um, and it, for flavor, they all have different melee attacks. And the descriptions of the melee attacks claim that they're different, but if they are, I can't figure out how, other than just they look different. But, um, you know, there might be some differences to the stats of, like, one girl has got more health, or one girl has got more stamina, one girl can can roll a little faster, stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, more or less, they are interchangeable. The game has got a single-player story mode. I have no idea how many missions are in it. I've played through, like, 20 of them. Um, and in... I don't know why the whole single-player campaign isn't just the co-op campaign, because it has a separate co-op mode I'll talk about in a second, but um, you're, you know, you're going on the adventure with these girls, and the first set of levels introduces you to each of the girls, and the basic concepts of the game, which are kill zombies, defend base point, um, recover objects around the map, kill the boss. So pretty, pretty simple, pretty simple stuff. Um, and as you kill zombies, you know, blood and gore goes everywhere. They drop items that you can pick up and use. Some of them are items that you can use in the middle of the mission, like health packs or traps or um, uh, things like grenades. And then some of them are equipment that you get to pick up for later. Weapons, upgrades, like permanent upgrades, stuff like that. Well, the developer definitely knows their market by looking at the DLC. Yeah. Um, and then one final mechanic is that for some reason, all of the zombies are really interested in schoolgirl outfits. So you can, every girl, you can press Q and you take your clothes off, just, and you get down to your undies and you throw your clothes on the ground and the zombies go after the clothing decoy and like shred your clothes as they, you know, I don't know, eat them or something. Mm. Um, and there are a bunch of different outfits that you can get, but as far as I can tell, they're all cosmetic, just like different schoolgirl outfits and stuff. Uh, different panties. some of these, are, some of these, are, uh, I struggle to call it outfit. Right. I haven't looked real. I like. I glance at the DLC. I haven't looked at like really uh, looked uh, at go, it. Go look at avocados and watermelon. Um. Uh, okay. A, B, or C, or does it matter? Uh, it doesn't matter. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, oh. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, the game is fine. I, oh, co-op. It's got a, it's got a co-op mode. Um, I have no idea how many levels are in it. We have completed <coughs> ten levels together, and they consist of the same objectives of the single-player campaign, just minus the story. But, you know, survive waves of zombies, kill them all, find things on the map, defend an objective. 
they more or less break down into uh, run around collecting as many uh, laser and bomb traps as you can, throwing them down, and then just shooting zombies as they uh, go towards the traps. They're mm-hmm. special infected. The zombies get more and more powerful as you go through the levels, of course. But I mean, that's that's the gist of the game. It's fine. It plays exactly like Earth Defense Force. If you were only limited to what insects, <laughs> if you were only like it plays like the Earth Defense Force from like the mid two thousands, where you only had the soldier class and you only had two weapons at a time that you could use, and there were no special abilities. That's what it feels like, and it's fine. It holds up as a gameplay mechanic. It's really boring. Um, you know, we had some fun playing co-op and like you know making jokes about the game and. Getting a little not. frustrated at some of it because, ooh, right? Yeah, you know, I, I wish I'd only paid like a dollar for this instead of like five, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I have played worse games. I have talked about worse games. If you really like Ona Chambra, or if you're just really this hard up to see like some anime girls fight zombies and take their clothes off, like go for it. I guess. Um, but overall, disappointing. Disappointing. So, uh, the other game I played is Far World Pioneers. I've got the Steam link, but I played this on Game Pass, and boy. Boy, howdy. I'm gonna talk about what this game says it is, and is on the surface, and then I'm gonna talk about all the problems. Ooh, I... I had not looked at this uh, since uh, you mentioned it before, and I had not looked at the reviews on Steam. And damn, yeah, that, that's some Gollum levels reviews. Yep, yep. I don't know if it's as bad. I think it's better than Gollum, but not by much. At least in terms of, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so Far World Pioneer is. Uh, I get popcorn. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Far World Pioneer is. Um, Developed by several several of the people, like they have built a team who did Starbound, um, which Starbound is uh, like Terraria but in space. Um, it, that's a little bit of an oversimplification. There are some other differences, but more or less, it's Terraria in space. Mm-hmm. And the, these guys said, "Well, what if we took Terraria in space and combined that with some elements of RimWorld?" And that is a concept that I really like because you get to be. I mean, certainly in RimWorld, you're in the driver's seat, you decide what the colony does, but it's purely management outside of, um, I mean, unless there's something I'm missing, outside of combat, and even not really then, like, you don't have direct control of the colonists, like, that's the point of the game. Mm, Yeah. Whereas this is, like, you playing the character means that you have control of at least one of the colonists being you, and then the rest of it, you know, you can give orders both standing orders and as well as like you can go in and you can manage your colonists um, specializations and give them priorities for tasks that they can complete and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's starbound with RimWorld. Great idea. Love it here for it. Um, you have uh, a game that looks good. You have a game that plays well because it's, made by the developers of Starbound, so it plays like Starbound. Um, handles well. But then it starts to fall apart. 
there are two versions of this game that exist right now because the Steam version and the Game Pass version are not synced version wise and they've mm-hmm. talked about it and they've said it has to do like they can just push updates whenever they want to Steam, but they can't do that with Xbox. Um because it is also on the Xbox console. They said that mm-hmm. if it was just on PC Game Pass, they could push updates however they wanted, but because it's on the console, it has to be like verified. So they're not pushing as many updates. So there, there's two versions of this game. The one on Game Pass um, and on console is the 1.0 or maybe 1.01 version of this game, which is the tech demo, basically the tech demo that existed, where that the game works <laughs> and the colonist AI is broken. So it's kind of like playing Terraria with idiot colonists who die. Um, because they don't really do anything, um, outside of a base, some very basic orders. So the, the orders are like, you can order them to collect resources. You set down this, the stuff that you set down in the world kind of shows up as blueprints. Um, and then if you've got the resources, you can build them. Otherwise your colonists are supposed to get the resources from your supplies and build the stuff, you know, and they don't do that. Their pathing is broken. So they get stuck and trapped underground and die they ignore their status effects so they all will eventually just starve to death because they don't go eat like something is is very broken with the colonist ai Mm -hmm. and then there's the version of the game that exists on steam where that the colonists work but the game doesn't um so you what i have read and what i have seen some people in youtube videos posting are like you will fall through the floor. Your save, like the game will tell you that it saves, but really it's not, or maybe the save is corrupted. So you'll play for four hours and you'll leave and you'll come back and your your world will be gone and you'll have to start over. Or um, some people have reported this bug where that whenever it uh, says it's auto-saving, the game will just drop to like two FPS for sometimes minutes before it fixes itself. And the autosave happens every five minutes. So if you've got a really bad version of that where you're sitting for two or three minutes at a time, (laughs) then, you know, you've got basically half your time staring at a JPEG and half your time trying to play the game. Um, It's, yeah, it's a hot mess. It's such a good idea, too. I love the idea. (laughs) And I'm watching the updates on Steam waiting for people to be like, yeah, no, they fixed it. They pushed out, like, an update that, like, syncs the two things together. Because I do love the idea of, you know... You I mean, it's a hell of an idea. Yeah. You crash land on a planet, you've got a couple of colonists, you rebuild your stuff, your ship, and then you've got a solar system to explore, and eventually, you know, a galaxy to explore. You can build colonies. Do Like, there's all kinds of stuff you can do with it. But... It doesn't work if, I mean, well, I mean, literally, it doesn't work. But, I mean, it doesn't work if they never get both sides of the idea working properly. Mm. Which is really sad. This is a very ambitious game that I would love to play and could dedicate tons of time to. It does have a multiplayer mode, which is basically broken in both games. Uh, both Like, both sides of the, the game right now. You know, on Game Pass, 
um, multiplayer just doesn't really work at all. Like, it's not stable. It crashes all the time. And then with the other version, it's so buggy that and doesn't save. Like, your multiplayer worlds just, you know, don't don't last. They don't exist after, you know, you both quit playing because there's nothing, you know, it doesn't save. So uh, I hope they fix it. I really do. I would like to play and enjoy this game, you know, either whether it's alone or together. I would really enjoy playing this game. It's right up my alley. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff in it that people don't know how far it goes. Like, there, it looks like there's an economy. There's money you can collect. There are raiders and pirates and other colonies. There's some kind of story um, on the planet you've crash-landed on. Like, there's some facility you go investigate as part of uh, rebuilding your ship. Um, you know, they're trying to do this personality thing with, so the first colonist that you get, his name is Buddy, and it's like, he's your buddy, he's your best friend, mm-hmm. and you can talk to him, and he's got a bunch of dialogue, and he gives you help, and he's the one who's giving you the tutorial, and it feels like they're really trying to have you invest in this relationship with Buddy, but he can die, just like any of the other colonists, so it really sucks that in, on the, the you know, the PC Game Pass version, since the AI's broken, did after a few days he starves to death no matter what because you can't like you can you can force give people medicine you can build structures around them so they don't freeze to death or burn to death in the elements because the the planets are have randomly generated biomes and stuff like that um but you can't force feed him so no matter what he dies after a few days of not getting food Ooh. it's like buddy no so there is a lot of behind-the-scenes drama on this game, too. I kind of went on a little bit of a rabbit hole tangent on it. Um, that with people saying, like, the 1.0... Like, they, this game is not in early access. Like, I'm doing air quotes, but, like, it's not in early access. Like, it is listed as fully released. They've got a whole thing on their Kickstarter page from way back when that's like, we don't want to do an early access game. We want to build a game that's going to work on release. To their backers, they have had... um sort of a playable demo slash alpha version that has existed for a long time. And there's claims that it is the version that was the 1.0 release on mm-hmm. game pass. And to a certain extent, like huge chunks of it unchanged on the 1.0 release on steam, even though it started getting updates pretty quickly. Um, they've not been, especially in the first week, they were not very responsive to people's questions and comments and then sort of abject, uh, anxiety and panic so a lot of people have are calling this game a scam and it was some kind of bait and switch and the developers are claiming that it's not but you know we've seen that before on steam too like given that these are the terraria or not terraria the uh, starbound developers i mm-hmm. tend to think that it's not a bait and switch but you know there are a lot of players a lot of people who have never played starbound maybe even never heard of starbound I, you know if you're playing this i found that and not necessarily hard to believe, but maybe less than likely. But still, I would imagine there yeah, are players who stumbled upon this. Starbound a hot mess when it first launched as well. Starbound was a hot mess when it first launched. It's gotten a lot better over the years. I really like Starbound, but yeah, Starbest was a hot, or Starbound was a hot mess when it launched. The story mode didn't work. There were tons of bugs and glitches that could leave you trapped on the first planet in the game after the tutorial. I mean, uh, I have Starbound. I just never really played it. I think I got it in a humble bundle at some point. I played Starbound a bit. Um yeah, I played it a bit. I enjoy Starbound, but it was it was a busted mess when it first released. 
But Starbound, hey, some, some things never change. Starbound, the thing is, and like I, I get this. Like on the one hand, it's no different, but on the other hand, like saying something is early access gives people a lot of will 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 encourage people to give you a lot more grace. Yeah, but this isn't early access. That's the thing. Yeah, or at least it's not marked as it. Mm-hmm. And they made a very big deal, like I said, on their Kickstarter stuff way back when. Like, we're not going to do an early access game. And it's like, <laughs> maybe maybe you didn't, but also kind of you did. Like, because there's stuff that shows up as like, there's there's like a laser mining drill that people have said, like, yeah, hey, you can't mm-hmm. get that. Like, you can research it, but you can't get it. It's not in the game yet. It's like, well, if this is a 1.0 release, why do you have something that's showing, like, coming soon? Oh, well, it's the modern... Uh expectation of video games. Just because it's 1.0 doesn't mean it's feature complete. You should be lucky it even loads. Right. So, I really want this game to be good. I really want it to be fixed, I guess, to start. I played it on Game Pass, so I'm not upset. Um, But, you know, I want it to be good. So, yeah. Far World Pioneers. Mm-hmm. Would have never found it if it wasn't for Game Pass. Like, you know, putting on there's like new on game pass but maybe i shouldn't have found it yet (laughs) right only time will tell but yeah those are my two games for tonight oh well two disappointments in game pass tonight huh Mm Hmm. that's the beauty of it though i have to say that's the beauty of game pass playing shit that might not be Mm -hmm. so great so that you can that you but but otherwise like you never would have tried it like i never would have bought uh far world pioneer like on a whim, you know, I would just I just wouldn't buy it. But since it's on Game Pass, I'm try it out. And also, yeah, spending Microsoft reward points and getting expansions for shit, right? Yeah. That's kind of the too. other thing. So yeah. Um our ready for our first news topic? Uh I guess if I have to. Uh speaking of games that I play on <laughs> Game Pass, right? A trucking game. A real trucking company is buying billboards and American Truck Simulator to help recruit staff. I, I, I'm really conflicted on this one. <laughs> uh, because it's a target audience. It's a hell of a target, actually. But at the yeah. same time, uh, ads in video games is very dangerous. Yeah. I have, I have mixed feelings as well. On the one hand, this is a little different than just being like, buy Coke. Or whatever. Yeah, this isn't like buy Coke on the loading screen. Yeah, you have to you know do a Coke mini game in order the game for the game to load. Yeah, Uh, uh, this is actually done pretty much looks like uh, the screenshot that they show you in the article shows it very realistically. Yep, and the thing is also with ads of video games. Yeah. Ads in real life, they kind of blend into the background to give kind of more context for, for a world. But yeah, uh, 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 ads in real life, they uh, yeah are kind of the noise that we have in our modern society. And uh, having a game world without ads feels a little weird. Uh, so it, it kind of makes it feel a little bit more realistic. But then I have that moment of like, you know, Alan Wake, where, you know, there's like 20 billboards for Verizon, right? Yeah. I, as far as things could go, 
like like you said, this one makes sense. Mm-hmm. I understand it. It doesn't upset me also. I don't Yeah, I, I think don't... that's the other thing is that I don't feel betrayed because uh yeah, they're putting up billboards in a trucking game, right? Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of like my big go-to has always been like sports games. Sports games that have like ads uh, in real life sports is maggoty with ads and ad revenue. So having ads in a sports game, especially if they cut the price, and that's the other, so the other thing is that American Truck Sim it often goes on a stupidly deep discount. Yeah. So this isn't like seventy dollar game plus you get ads in it. So matter of fact, American Truck Simulator is a twenty dollar game. So it's a little tougher to be upset to have a billboard in it, right? Yeah. Although they are in the Midwest now, or solidly in the Midwest. Yeah, I I need to get the last few American truck updates and uh I'm way behind on the uh states. Yeah, although, I am too. Although, you know, when it goes on sale, you know, it'll be a lot cheaper to pick up. Yeah. But you know, this is this is interesting. I think, you know, they, they say in the article where they were interviewed that they're, you know, in the tryout phase. Yeah. I, I would love to like I just wanna know I just wanna see how this goes. Like ultimately they're gonna do what they want to do. It's their game. Yeah. They're you know, they get to make their own decisions. Uh you know, they're gonna do what they want. But they also do this to subsidize the price of DLCs and cut the price of DLCs, you know? Yeah. Because that's kind of the thing, especially for a American truck. Uh, it has DLCs on a per-state basis, and there's a lot of DLC for American truck. I mean, there's a lot for Euro truck as well, but uh, they their map DLCs tend to go by more regional. Uh, if not just country wide, so it doesn't feel as much. So let's see, there. Uh, you're looking of... at, yeah, you're looking at uh, twenty bucks a, a DLC right now or on the high end for Texas. Or, or eighteen dollars. Sorry. Ugh. I feel like they're, they're kind of the same though. Like a lot of American states are the size of European countries. Mm, not all of them, but you know the ones that they've been doing, especially out in the West mm. and. Creeping yeah. into the Midwest. Big states. Yeah, but also the U.S. states are a little bit more copy and paste. Uh, it's not as uh, dramatic ge- uh, geography, at least on, on the smaller scale. You know, yeah, uh, there's a big difference between, you know, uh, breadbasket uh, state one and two versus, like, France and Italy, right? Yeah. I suppose. I mean, you can do interesting things with landmarks and cities and stuff, but I get what you mean. Having driven through a bunch of breadbasket states, they do look very much the same, though. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to uh, you know see corn for you know two hours driving through Kansas. Rows and rows and rows of corn. Also, windmills. A lot of windmills out there. Mm-hmm. Or I guess wind turbines for power generation. Yeah. But yeah, I I think for me it's just gonna all come down to how it's implemented, what they do with it, how much they do with it, how obtrusive it winds mm-hmm. up being. Like if it's just on billboards and stuff, fine. If they start doing like loading screen ads or whatever, that's different. That's that's, that's, uh, that's I mean, mobile game shit. 
I mean, if you really look at it, American and Euro Truck already has ads because you have the trucking companies, the different uh, branded you know, trucks. True. The real uh, life trucks. Yeah, you have Goodyear Tires Pack where you, know, you have you know, a Goodyear uh, uh, tire branded truck and uh, uh, more wheel options. Uh, you have uh, the. Uh, hang on. Uh, now I'm having to dig a little bit, but uh, you get what I mean, though. Yeah. Where, uh, it looks like actually American Truck has a lot less on it than uh, Euro Truck. I know Euro Truck has a few more. Uh, but yeah, the updates are semi branded with uh, different uh, trucking companies, so it's not a huge jump. And, and like I said, it's a very on target market as well. Yeah. That's kind of also, you know, I can't be mad at them for uh, wanting to recruit from people that are doing a simulator for the actual job, you know? Yeah. I mean, driving a, a real life truck obviously is not the same thing as driving in a video game, uh, and you get to ignore the aspects of like maintenance and shit. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Uh, and it, the crippling debt that you may have to take on. Depending on whether or not you go independent or what trucking mm-hmm. company you work for. Mm hmm. I'm familiar with this company, like, in terms of, like, name, but I don't know anything about it, really, so, you know, who knows? Maybe the one they're advertising is a good one, maybe it's not. Yeah, jo- yeah. last week tonight did an interesting thing with uh, one way that uh, truckers yeah, basically get screwed over if they take, essentially, the wrong route into, the, uh, into their career. It's essentially, uh, like, a rent-to-own thing on their truck, but it's an absurdly long uh, lease period. Yeah. Which means, of course, you know, the interest rate on it is just through the roof, and you know, you're paying more on the interest rate than you are the dividend of the debt, because, right? Yeah. And you're essentially also essentially a slave to that company, because, you know, you're renting it uh, to own through the company, so they can screw you over however they want. Yep. We're going to need more and more truckers, though, like, it, as, uh, you know, unless, or maybe until... We we crack um, self driving vehicles, which I know self driving yeah. vehicles yeah, exist, just, but there's dubious issues and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, just stay out of Philadelphia. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, you know, we'll just see how it goes. I'm not immediately opposed to it because it does make sense, and you know, they aren't like the worst company. Although I don't know how much of an endorsement that is, but you know they've had their missteps mm-hmm. over the years. But overall, they have a, a good positive reputation, to my mm-hmm. knowledge, for being you know air quotes a good company. So yeah, or is at least as good as you can be, because right, that's right. kind of the crux of it as well. Is that companies tend to build up goodwill only to cash in later, and that's why I'm also very hesitant. I mean, we saw it was Cyberpunk is a really good example, right? Yeah. Cashing in all of uh, CD Projekt's goodwill mm-hmm. from the Witcher series. <sighs> but we'll see. So moving on to the overflowing community corner. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, right off the top. Uh, investigation. Who is telling the truth about Disco Elysium? Uh, that is done right, by hang people on, make on, games. Hang on, I gotta do my skill check. Uh, oh, damn it. It turns out it's 
Possibly nobody. <laughs> yeah. So Jim sent us this uh, a link to this documentary. It's a two and a half Ooh. hour documentary style investigation. Yeah, which love the YouTube channel. This is not my first radio with them. This actually is my first rodeo with them. Um, so it's, it's a good one. It is very well, like just, you know, about the video itself. It is very well produced. It is very well, um, the, the guy, I mean, I know he has a name, but the yeah, I don't know what the guy who's doing the interviewing is a good interviewer. Um, he asks good questions. He does good follow-ups. Pretty sure we did, uh, yeah, uh, the Roblox one included people make games. So this is not oh, your okay. first rodeo with them. Okay, this okay. Well, this is my first rodeo recognizing them <laughs> as they are. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, he asks good questions. He does his best to try to circle back to things because you know there's plenty of like mealy mouth, like both sides. You know, talking about both sides of your mouth or like mm-hmm. sidestepping questions, whether or not it was, you know, on purpose sometimes or not, depending on the answers. But, like, you know, he keeps he's a good interviewer. The only. Like, stylistically, I think it's very dry and that's not bad. Like all documentaries tell a narrative, tell a story. And, you know, certainly even, quote unquote, the most dry narrative, you can spruce it up a little bit with some post-production, um, which they have done, but I really do feel like this is investigative as opposed to picking a side and trying to tell the story of, like, mm-hmm. well, this side is the correct one. And that does lead to it feeling a bit more dry. But that's yeah. okay. That's I mean, that's not a bad thing. Well, I think in this one, there, it's also a case of you can't really pick a side because both sides are kind of right and wrong. Right. We, because you have the business side that is morally ambiguous, but l- for the most part legal, with some question marks on paper trails and how the IP was handled by shell companies and buying out. And if the other investors knew that this buyout was happening and there's no paper trail to say that they did or didn't, and it comes down to. They said, uh, yeah, he said, she said, essentially. Yeah. And then you have the tortured artist that, uh, by all accounts, is a bit insufferable to be around. And as things spiraled and the project got bigger and bigger in scope, they were delegating more and more stuff and just kind of closing themselves off and while still uh, acting like they were doing a lot more than what they presumably were. And it's just, oh. Yeah. It, there's, it, it, th- th- this feels like it needs a documentary for the documentary at this point. Yeah. You know? Broad, I mean, broad strokes, just to remind anybody who has forgotten, um, the developer of Disco Elysium, and, and we, we first mentioned this several months ago, um, but the, the developers of Disco Elysium um were sort of the lead developers were were ousted from the company and it became this huge kerfuffle and and they were you know the the lead developers were taking the studio and the the 
you know, to court and it was this big mess and it was all really confusing and there was no clear, like, it seemed like everybody was kind of the asshole. Like if this was a, you know, am I the asshole post, this would be an everyone sucks here response. Mm. But it was a lot of like, well, we'll wait and see. Like they're going to court. Like there obviously is something here. Someone feels aggrieved enough to actually go to court over it. So, you know, what's, what's going to happen? Let's, let's watch. And, you know, people who make games have really dived into this. I mean, to get the full scope of it, I would recommend watching it. It's, broadly speaking, there's kind of three... There's more than three parts, but what... There's you know, three I, main acts of the yes. investigation. Yes, where that they, they talk to the corporate side, they talk to the employees of the company, and then they talk to the creative side. Um, Which the employees was... Uh, kind of an impromptu, as the the employees started hearing that uh, people make games were poking around, uh, started to come out of the woodwork and telling their story, which kind of both supports and negates the story that both the major parties are telling. I mean, I believe the employees. Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, yeah. I 100% believe the employees. I have been these employees at other places that I've worked, you know, where, like, you see that there's some scheming and conniving going on and someone comes to you and they're like kind of talking out of their ass and you know it, but your job is on the line. So you have to go along with it up until a certain point, And then it like, it just gets messy. So I 100% believe these employees and they support some aspects of each side of it. And like you were saying, you know, the corporate side, seems like they did some really shady stuff and mm-hmm. there is a some paperwork that is just not present that if it was present would would end this court case immediately so either something which weird is, is going a major on major red flag yeah which is a major red flag meaning that you know the corporation or the the corporate side is doing some really dirty stuff you know doing some potential fraud probable fraud um but at the same time, like, I kind of can't blame him because as time goes on, the uh, Robert is the the mm-hmm. main, you know, the main brain behind yeah. this uh, Elysium and that DM world of the old group that uh, uh, built these stories over the years. Yeah. And he is just out of control, you know, getting out of control. Um you know, diving more and more into his work. And, you know, like you said, the tortured artist kind of trope, like he views this world as his baby. And I kind of get that as someone who DMs a lot of games, who writes a lot of stories. I do get that. You get very attached to your world and your characters, but he's doing the railroading DM trope where it's like, no, this is my story that I wrote this way and you're going to play it my way. Damn it. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, and he just like one section from the the employees part, like a really long, like twenty minute chunk, maybe was talking about how he was scheming to get back into the lead director yeah. thing so that he could have full control. He wanted one hundred percent full control of the development of the sequel to Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I but he's just so attached to it. And so I can see why the corporate side would want to get rid of him and his sort of, I, I called him his core four. I don't actually, I think it is three I, or four people. Yeah, his uh, inner circle, essentially, that at one point uh, disappears for a couple months and uh, delegates uh, work off to 
an, assi- uh, an assistant director. And he also, uh, at one point in the, uh, in the story, was uh, kind of teasing the idea of these uh, secondary writers to bump them up to full writing uh, credit in the a sequel and put them on a task for the update, which was uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, essentially the dreams for uh, the, uh, the added content that they did for the definitive edition that for final was, cut. Yeah. For final cut. I was, I was blanking on the name of it. Uh, that uh, was like the four political, essentially compass points. There's a additional quest sequence that actually didn't trigger. Uh, in my playthrough. Uh, and they did a lot of writing on those as a essentially a test. And at one point, Robert said that, uh, well, they, they didn't do uh, well enough and uh, delegated off to the assistant director to tell him the bad news. And then later on, it comes to light that he never even read the stuff. So it's just, oh, right? Yeah. It, so... It, 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 Listening to all the scenarios play out, and if even half of them are true, it's uh, unfathomable that they would want them around. Yeah, I am. Um, you, if you're interested, listening to this, if you're interested, like we are not doing mm-hmm. this justice. Like you should go watch it. It's a big commitment. It's two and a half hours long. You don't have to sit through the whole thing. It's got some natural breaks in it where that they transition from sort of each of the main. Um, perspectives on this story. I watched it over the course of a couple days in chunks at like downtime at work and at lunch and stuff. Um, you know, you could you could view the whole thing in one sitting, I think. Mm-hmm. But you know, it it is a bit of a commitment. Um, but you know, I think that if you're really interested, you should go watch it because we're skipping around a little bit and we're not really doing everything justice in this. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to with something that in depth. <coughs> Without, you know, just dedicating the entire episode to it as well, because there's a lot going on here. Yeah. At the heart of this, though, this is a story about people. Like, the way that I view this, and I don't know if this is, like, all really obvious stuff, or if this is just me because of what I do, focusing on the people side. But I see elements of both myself and a lot of people I know in some of the people represented here. And, you know, have been in similar situation, but obviously on a much, much smaller scale. Where that an argument breaks out, you know, in the middle of a tabletop game about a rules thing or about a story thing. And someone just takes their ball and goes home because they're not willing to compromise or admit that they were wrong. Very personal issues that people have sometimes it has to do with their own ego sometimes it has to do with their inability to you know edit their baby their life's work like he he says that several times like it's his life's work mm-hmm. i don't know how old this guy is i could be like you know it's probably googleable he looks like he's in his 20s you know late 20s early 30s to have your life's work completed by that point is i don't want to say absurd but weird um you know, people, especially prolific artists, will will create art their entire life. And you can have sort of masterpieces for chapter points in your life or something like that. But, you know, he just seems very obsessed over this. 
And I'm not going to diagnose him with anything. Like, I've never talked to him. I'm just watching this interview or these interviews, you know. But, I mean, he does seem like he's someone who probably has had some things in his life that has driven him to focus so hard on this. So I can see that, and I sympathize with him. But at the same time, like, you went from running a game, you know, on the weekends or whatever with your friends to turning it into a extremely successful product. And as much as I hate capitalism, like the world that we exist in, like if you're going to do that, if you're going to package it and if you're going to sell it, there are concessions that you're going to have to make. And he was unwilling to make any of them. And also he seems very reckless. There were lots of times that pop up where that Robert is like, they ask him something. He's like, no, I didn't talk to a lawyer. I didn't feel like we needed to talk to a lawyer. We didn't write that down. We didn't feel like we needed to, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, like those are, you know, I, I, on the one hand, I don't expect him to be a corporate legal expert or whatever. But on the other hand, like that just feels like, you know, one oh one. like talk to a lawyer before you get into a big business venture like this. And he didn't do it. And then there's a whole third tier to this that we're not really like talking about because I don't fully understand all of it or the context for it because I don't understand. The IP show companies in Britain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one sounded like it's corporate shell game that basically two investors kind of screwed the other ones out because originally it was supposed to be uh, equal shares for all the major parties uh, to ensure that nobody had overarching uh, rights. Uh, but a couple of them screwed over the others. Uh which is kind of a moral gray area, but legal-ish. And this is kind of where that paper trail really falls in. And Well, well and, and there was that thing in the beginning where that they're talking about, like, this guy, with, like, somebody yeah. declaring bankruptcy in a different country. And yeah, the bankruptcy that tourism of the EU. Which, whew, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's... It's kind of a fitting game to have such a messy thing going on around it, huh? Yeah, that is true. That is true, given the subject material of that game. But also it makes me very sad that we're very unlikely to get a sequel. Even though I'm not sure where they would put the sequel if it'd be like, yo, uh, on to the next case or like another story in the world or which way I would even want them to go. I personally, I would want an anthology. I would want a different character in a different part of the world mm-hmm. doing different stuff. And like maybe the other game gets referenced or you can hear about it. But like that's the thing, like as Or you like know, how their original project was uh, referenced. Yeah. Uh, in Disco Elysium. Yeah. But you know, I have created, you know, for for my my players like a world and you know, we all like tell stories within this same world, but it's, you know, they're, they might have some tangential connections or some references, but you know, their own unique, you get to explore the, your, your world a little more. Like that's part of the, mm-hmm. part of the appeal of it. Like you guys create this world together and then you go explore it and you do different stuff in different places. That way you can explore it more fully. And like, yeah, maybe there's a crowd favorite that shows up every once in a while, you know, but that's what I would want anyways. What, if they do it. shows up. Oh, I would love if Tom Hanks showed up. That'd be great. <laughs> it just shows up with his typewriter every so often. 
or Keanu Reeves. Whoa. Just, just do not kill his dog. No, that's that's a big no-no. That's a huge party foul. But, yeah, it's fascinating. It's worth a watch. I might watch it again, all in one setting this time, instead of across. I mean, know. I watched it pretty much all in one setting, but it was also a week ago. Because I did it Tuesday, getting ready for the podcast, and then somebody had to yeah be a party pooper. Yep, 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 yep. And I did it over the last couple of days, like I said, yesterday and, and today. So it's it's a story. I, I mostly feel bad for everybody involved, yeah, really. I feel really bad for the employees because... I feel know, the now, worst now, for the employees. Yeah, now their entire livelihood is kind of in limbo because, you know, if they don't do Disco Elysium 2, what are they going to do, right? Yeah. I feel the worst for the employees, but also... You know, I can see a little bit of myself in Robert. I was having a conversation with one of my, um, uh, one of my other players of mine, one of the players in my tabletop games. I don't know. It's hard for me to pull out of my mouth. Um, we were talking about some story stuff, and like I like remember having a similar conversation of like, "Yep, I just wanted to do like a simple thing," and then I find myself like, "Oh, but it could mean this, and it could symbolize that," and I'm like, "You're doing it again, Jared." You gotta stop it. You're doing it again. You can't go down this rabbit hole every time. Sometimes you should just play a game for fun. <laughs> so I, I I get that obsession, but you gotta you gotta dial it back. You gotta be able to control it or have people that you trust that can help keep you in check. So I I, mean, I have some some empathy, some sympathy for him as well. But mostly I I care about the workers. Don't need no fucking scabs. Anyways, yeah, Disco Elysium. Yeah. Heckin' heckin' big mess. Uh, so so speaking of uh uh corporations. Yeah. Um GameStop fires its CEO. That's that's a thing that they did. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder so, I wonder if this is this is uh, um, another meme, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, is this gonna be like uh, uh we're gonna see him popping up on uh Reddit in a few weeks. Assuming Reddit doesn't crash and burn now. Oh, so yeah. So Matt Furlong, the I guess now previous GameStop CEO, was replaced uh, by Ryan Cohen. Um, in the, in this article, they call him the meme stock investor Ryan mm-hmm. Cohen. But he, let's see, it's, the list is on here. Um, so Bed Bath and Beyond was his most recent one because Bed Bath & Beyond was, um, they were faltering. He buys a bunch of the company. He comes in, he pumps it up and then dumps his stock. So pump and dump. And then, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is now on the verge of bankruptcy. They might have actually already by now declared Uh, bankruptcy. uh, They, uh, they have, they have. Okay. Yeah. So they're at the beyond point. Right. Um, so this is, I mean, this has led a lot of people to believe that he is going to do some kind of scheme with this, um, be it a pump and dump or some other type of like you brought up, like Sears, how that they that company was basically oh, well brought up before we uh, really started the show. Yes, but how how that this you know Sears CEO was uh, just selling off all the real estate and assets, mm-hmm. kind of slowly making a bunch of money for themselves. So. Yeah, it looks I was, like uh, Overstock.com is bidding $21.5 billion 
for Bed Bath & Beyond's Analog Shore property assets. So it's essentially the brand name. Yeah. So, hey, uh, it turns out the Beyond is on Overstock. Bed Bath & Beyond as a brand for, like, lotions and, and creams and stuff, good. Great. I, I never really went to Bed Bath & Beyond, but I did watch Company Man about it. Uh, Company Man, if you don't know about it, is a YouTube channel that goes into, like, different companies and what happened to them, uh, why they're big, why, why they crashed, uh, why, they're, why some brands are bigger than what you realize. Uh, absolutely fascinating stuff, and he kind of categorized as Bed Bath & Beyond was Amazon before Amazon, as in you could go in there and find all sorts of different selections for, like, bath towels and such. But whenever the internet shopping uh, revolution really kicked off, Bed Bath & Beyond didn't really grasp into it until it was far too late. Yeah. It seems to be very much, right? Yeah, I don't remember a lot about Bad Bath & Beyond before, you know, the mid-2000s. Um, but I do remember always liking their lotions and their scents, you know, their candles and stuff. So I could see them, that brand, still holding some weight for, uh, you know, middle-aged people. Uh, especially, you know, the middle-aged female demographic. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody I know who's, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s fucking loves Bed Bath & Beyond. Every every lady I know, I should mm-hmm. say. Most men, too. Well, I'm indifferent. So Fair enough. That. Uh, his uh, Bed Bath & Beyond video was uh, four months ago. So, uh, right between Ticketmaster, Why They're Hated, and Winco, expanding near you? Question mark? But yeah, back, back kind of to, <laughs> you know, the article. Um yeah, everyone is expecting this guy to be running some kind of scheme. And the people who uh, are aware were never going to buy GameStop stock anyways. And the people who are not are going to fall for it hook, line, and sinker. I'm just looking at this guy's Twitter feed. And, uh, Beam Lord. Yeah. I'm expecting it to be some kind of crypto scheme. Um, you know, I, there haven't been as many of those in the last... 10 months, but that's what I'm expecting to, to get on right. the wall street bets. Yeah. And you know, the, the gamers TM. Well, well I, I prefer, uh, Yahtzee's, uh, 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 word for it now. Uh, I'm not fully through the episode yet, but it, he was talking about the fighting, uh, 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 the, the people that take fighting games a little too uh, seriously. And he called them the sweaties. <laughs> I like that. So I, I mean, I like that better than Gamers TM because it feels a little bit less self-derogatory. Because, right? Yeah, I'm just using James Stephanie Sterling's patented way to refer to them to those type of people. Praise God and all that. And don't forget the non-threatening penis. Of course, of course. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to keep an eye on it. There's a, I told you this before. There's a podcast I listen to called If Books Could Kill mm-hmm. that normally they talk about books, uh, specifically like kind of what you think of as like airport books or whatever that took off and like the pop cultural zeitgeist, but are actually bullshit. And the people who wrote them are like grifters or, you know, just horribly misguided, almost always like, you know, far right people. Um, 
I'm pulling up the the list so you can get some idea of some of the books like Freakonomics, um, the game, Neil Strauss's The Game, uh, uh, The Secret, uh, The End of History, like stuff like that. But on their Patreon every month, they do just do an episode where they talk about whatever. And one of the hosts really wanted to talk about this. So I was aware of this a couple of weeks ago that this was coming down the pipeline. And they, they talked a lot about it and his, his past and sort of a history of pumping up schemes with stocks and it's pretty educational but also like they say fuck a lot so it's a good podcast <laughs> fuck there that makes our podcast a little better a lot of, a little fucking better hell yeah but yeah i don't think i have anything else to say about it uh except probably don't buy gamestop stock well but it's the latest beam that's gonna you know go to the moon or whatever you gotta have diamond hands mm-hmm <laughs> Gotta go to the moon, baby. I still, I still love that uh, massive like crypto video. Um, I, I just can't really did a deep dive on it. I just the whole crypto thing is just so much bullshit to me that I just I just don't want to dirty myself with it. Yeah, it's once Very again something, something that could have been used for potentially good. Just poof, right? Yeah, but I'm gonna add that to my watch list. I'm gonna watch it again. It's been a while since I've seen it. I'm gonna step away for just a moment. Hang on. Okay. And we're at the end of the uh, topic anyway, so good timing. While we wait for Rage to come back, the video I was talking about is uh, called "Line Goes Up: The Problem with NFTs" by Folding Ideas. It is a two-hour and twenty-minute. Also kind of documentary style video um, talking about NFTs. I've talked about it in prior episodes, um, but he has got a whole litany of educational content that has drifted more and more towards documentary style over the years. Excellent stuff. Worth a watch, in my opinion. Most of it is uh, topic oriented as opposed to time oriented, so it doesn't matters so much when you come to it, especially his newer stuff. Uh, did you just continue talking while I was gone, or? No, well, sort of. So I stopped, and then I was looking for that video, and then I told the the listener the video I was talking about, oh. about the NFTs. Yeah, well, go check out uh, Company Man, too. Yeah, so I had a cat that just kind of did a cartwheel off the door to the Forbidden Zone, and uh, it, it sounded... Like, you know, just a giant thud. Had so to go went to, yeah, went to investigate. Them. Yeah. Make sure Anita wasn't like sprawled down in the hallway. Uh, cat ran over or something. Everything okay, I assume. Yeah, or Jimmy Hoffa broke it or something. <laughs> All right. Next topic then Diablo. Well, are you ready? Yeah. Diablo 4 unleashes hell of overpriced cosmetic microtransactions. Yeah. Oh. So we talked a bit about, you know, the slippery slope. So uh, let's go to, right into the deep end of a $70 game having $20 worth of, uh, or $20 single microtransaction. Right? Yeah. Uh, the video kind of sums up uh, the uh, 
overall price tag. It was three hundred seven dollars worth of market transactions on launch, right? Yep, and, and like and you I, said, in a game that costs seventy dollars, and it's all hidden behind a uh, you know, a a proprietary currency that you have to buy in packs, just like it's a, a mobile game. And they're talking about having battle passes in the future that you buy into, and uh, it's all cosmetic for now. And that's kind of the thing is that Bethesda promised that, that all their stuff in Fallout seventy six was going to be only cosmetic, and boy, did they ever break that promise! And it's not like Blizzard has not you know renamed on a big promise in the last couple weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Overwatch 2, by the way, we're not covering that that story, but it's Overwatch 2, in case you're <laughs> you're wondering, dear listener. But, yeah, I know a lot of, uh, well, I say a lot, I know a couple of people who are playing Diablo 4 oh, and really it enjoying it. $357 uh, for on launch. Not as uh, egregious as some mobile games, but that's still a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I know I know a couple people who are playing and really enjoying Diablo 4. And every time they mention it, because I want to at least remain on speaking terms with these people, mm-hmm. I like bite my lip and don't say anything. But hi, if you guys are listening. I know you know about the podcast. I don't know if you listen or not. Um, but if you do, you know who you are. And um Diablo these days is horseshit. Yeah, I never really played Diablo. I played Path of Exile. I mean, you've basically played Diablo then, mm-hmm. at least in terms of gameplay. Like, Diablo's gameplay is solid. Only with, the, sure. only with fewer microtransactions, it sounds like. Yeah, for real. I mean, Diablo's gameplay is solid. Even in Diablo 3, I'm sure the gameplay itself is fine in Diablo 4. But the stories have gotten worse, and fucking Diablo 3 and the Diablo Mobile game. Whatever that was called. Diablo Mobile. Uh, Diablo, don't you have phones? Yeah. Don't you guys have phones? Um, You know, between the lessening of the story and the focusing on the microtransactions and bullshit in a game that you pay money for, like, nah, they've just gotten worse over the years. I'm out. They're horse shit. Fuck them. Also, just in general, fuck Activision, Bl- Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay money for any of your stuff anyways because you're a terrible company. Uh, right. Yeah. It's just it's just bullshit. We've talked about this for so many other games, and I'm sure we'll keep talking about it because AAA developers are going to AAA develop. And that includes microtransactions and games that you pay for that mm-hmm. have multiple editions and special content and battle passes and... And I really have stuff. real faith that this is going to be uh, strictly cosmetic, even though for a, a game that is a, built around looking cool, something that uh, it, something that is cosmetic is gameplay. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, honestly, though, stuff that is even in a game where that's not like a big focus, mm-hmm. stuff that's just cosmetic is still gameplay. I've I have less of an issue with it in single player games. I think. I mean, I still don't like it. But, you know, it's like an an 8 on the bothers me meter, whereas this is like an 11. Because at least in a single player game, you don't have to see other people flaunting around the, you know, $200 worth of content Mm -hmm. that you could pay for to get extra if you really wanted it. Yeah, uh, 
do you remember the time when uh, people got cool armor because they did something really difficult in a game and not yet bought it? Yeah. Pepperidge Farm remembers. So, moving on. I mean, I guess we don't really have a lot more to talk about on that one, huh? Yeah, it's dumb and stupid and it makes me angry, but <laughs> Blizzard is gonna... Uh, so it's kind of blizzard. Uh, speaking of dumb, stupid things, Twitch uh, put out a new uh, mass. Uh, or sorry, uh, they changed it on this. Twitch announces and then repeals the branded content guidelines. So Twitch put out some content guidelines that basically screwed over every content creator that has any sort of sponsorship ever. Yeah, and uh, quickly walked them back within a day. So. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, People the, lost their shit, like rightfully so. Like, yeah. So the big thing, uh, at least uh, on the article, is talking about how inserted uh, burnt and con- video ads. So, like, uh, the example is Kansas soup because, right? Yeah, uh, you couldn't have you know ad-, ad play that was you playing the ad and not the Twitch ad. Uh, with a uh, gameplay like off in the corner, if you're continuing to do that, or a overlay that shows like your code to buy uh, Kansas Soup and get yeah you know, so much off, which is like how much of a Twitch sponsorship is that, right? Yeah, I mean, I dare you to go to some of these big Twitch uh, streamers and not see them running some sort of code either in the description and a bot uh, in the comments or on the screen every so often. Right? Yeah. I mean, they do it. They all do. And, like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I'm not saying that, like, with disdain. Like, that's, you know, these people are ultimately trying to support themselves in the Mm -hmm. system we live in, and that's one really good way for them to do it. Yeah, so uh, on-screen logos are limited to 3%, or were limited to 3% of screen size, which is Freaking tiny. No burn-in video ads, no burn-in display ads, and no burned-in ads really in general. Uh, what was uh, allowed was channel page ads, uh, products in the background of your stream, uh, stream uh, links in chat, discussing and unboxing products, and playing sponsored games, and that was about it. So they got backlash and quickly repealed this. But... Uh, kind of the general consensus is, well, they're walking. They're just going to walk it back slightly and re uh, put it out and uh, say it's a compromise. Probably. That's kind of how. That's kind of how it always works, isn't it? That's how the apology.jpg always works. We're sorry. We can do better. This is better for not good for our community. I mean, the the thing that they said is, like, yesterday we released new branded content guidelines that impacted your ability to work with sponsors to increase your income from streaming. These guidelines are bad for you and bad for Twitch, and we are removing them immediately. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, they, I, every great once in a while, I think that this can happen, and they can, they you know, they can be genuinely surprised. I think that that's a thing. Like, sometimes... You know, you really believe you're doing something that's good, and you're surprised when it's not. But like this, oh, okay, there you are. Uh, uh you, you just—I uh, think um, you cut out there for a while. Continue on. Sorry. Oh, um, 
But anyways, you know, this, uh, like something like this, like they would have, they would have had to have known, like, I can't, like, they've done so many things where they've screwed over the community with certain things and had to walk them back. I feel like this is another one of those things of like, well, we're going to try it and let's see if we can get away with it. And if we can't, we'll just, you know, oops, our bad. And then they'll come back with something less egregious, like you said, and people will feel like it's a compromise that is, you know, quote unquote, better for, for them and that they listened and all this other bullshit. Twitch is a massive company. Like, yeah. uh, if they don't know stuff like this is going to affect people, mm-hmm. they are really not paying attention. Yeah, and uh, the article on Ars Technica makes a good point because uh, stuff like charity streams that have sponsorships, like, yeah, let's pick one almost at random from this uh, games done quick would be not allowed because they're in between screens before between their uh, speed runs has a little banner ad in the corner. So, all right. Yep. Not allowed. Too much advertising. It's not us. Us being Twitch. Mm-hmm. It's probably, probably pretty obvious, but you know, yeah, I don't believe for one second that they didn't know what they were doing and just hoping they could get away with it. Yeah, we we really need a secondary t- comparator to Twitch, and YouTube is not it. No, obviously, nope. YouTube has a big discovery ability problem. Yeah, and well, I mean, they do have a pretty solid, at least technically speaking, like streaming uh, capability. You know, like you said, they have discovery discoverability problem, and even if they didn't, it's you know, YouTube. Like we mm. need more competition in that in that space, in that market. The problem is that uh, this requires so much uh, technological backend. Uh, there, there's not going to be a startup that does it. Probably not. Not unless there's some new technological breakthrough that allows it mm-hmm. to be done with, you know, less backend hardware. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to say about it. Do you? Uh, No, not really. I mean... Uh, what the hell, Twitch, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've said this before. I don't watch a lot of streams. I don't stream anymore. I haven't streamed in forever. You know, uh, I just same. I just don't have I just don't have any skin in the game and I'm not interested. You know? But and it's shit like this that makes me super not interested. But, you know, it is what it is. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. And I'll just sit over here to the side and yell at the kids to get off my lawn and play my Double A video games from ten years ago by myself. Oh no, that one that you played sounded more like single A. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but regardless, uh, uh, actually, yeah, single A uh, works out because yeah, the uh, little fruit stickers were enough for censorship. <laughs> touche, touche. So yeah, that brings us to the close of our news topics for tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get it before midnight. Just barely. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're about to turn into a pumpkin. I am about to turn into a pumpkin, yes. Also, my throat really hurts. I've been animated tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, me? I've been hydrated. So, where can where can the good people send us stuff so that we can talk about it on the show? And where well, you can contact us. Contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us, vglpodcast, or you can drop by the Discord, which a link to that is at uh, vglpodcast.podbean.com. 
Why don't uh, Why don't you hit him with them socials, Rage? Oh, I've been caffeine rage. You could maybe contact me on Twitch uh, or or not Twitch, Twitter. I mean, I am Twitch, but yeah, I'm more larking these days than anything. Uh, CR on Twitter. I haven't really posted anything this year. I just with the whole Elon thing, I just don't really want to go into it. You know? Yeah. Um. But you could also be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage as well. Uh, that's Caffeine Rage, not Caffeine Rage as well, because Caffeine Rage as well is something completely different. Right. Well, I have been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707, where I shitpost and talk about Battletech stuff and make googly eyes at Buff Girl Twitter. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can find me in those places. You can find me on our Discord, uh, on, a, on our Discord server. Um, I'm jarthur4707. Um, you can be my friend on Steam at the same name. I mean, you know, I guess you could, like, put up some smoke signals as well. I don't know if I'll see them, but you can uh, try. Especially with Canada being fucking fire. Right. Um, that turns out uh, Canada's second biggest export is smoke right now. <laughs> they're They're vaping a little too hard up there. But, um, yeah, you can find me on those places. Um, you can also, over speaking of Twitch, uh, a minute ago, twitch.tv slash runicarts. It's not my Twitch channel, but that is the Twitch channel that streams the D&D, or not D&D, the tabletop stuff that we that we do play sometimes. Um, usually you can find it on Wednesdays, but also he do, does VODs and other other things. I guess there's a really specific weird circumstance where you could wind up in therapy with me as your therapist, but probably don't tell me about that because we could get into like ethical conflict of interest stuff. Just like sit back and like no. <laughs> as you slowly take off your pants. Right. So yeah, that's that's my stuff. Uh well once again you could contact us via our podcast at gmail.com with your letters, whispers, game related topics. Tweet them to us via our podcast because even though I don't post there, I do check it. Uh, or you can drop by the Discord, which I'll link to that is over at bglpodcast.podbean.com. And if you're to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. And I uh, skipped our uh, Patreon, our lovely, lovely patrons. Can't forget them. They made this madness possible. Uh, Kevin McLeod, you can find his work over at incomputech.com and... As always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.